this is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of bringing on Jay Ferris straight from Topango. Going to talk about the word wellness and the expansion of it and the interest in private equity and family offices and how are we going to turn the $7 trillion industry into a $17 trillion industry within the next several years. So, Jay, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Awesome. So let's uh, first start, you know, you run the wellness agency, but why don't you take us back to your uh, entertainment and music roots and kind of how you uh, evolved into uh, being a thought and action leader uh, in the space. It's been, it's been sort of this fun journey and it's funny because we're starting to work with Andre 3000, who was, uh, who was an outcast and, and as he's, as his personal life has taken him toward wellness and we're excited about that. And then there was a book written hadn't been published yet on my old record label, Mammoth Records. And as that was being written, and I started to read early copies of that, I, I realized that we're creating this engine with TWA to help wellness founders sort of go from zero to 90. And it, it and it really parallels what I had with the record label. So when I had Mammoth and I was head of A&R at Atlantic with Kalman and Jason Flom, there at Mammoth, I had this engine where we knew how to take an artist from sort of zero to 90, the ones that we really believed in, and we work with them long term. And that's very much it's totally different now, but it's what started off as an accelerator services. We'll probably have equity in 150 companies in five years. Uh, we took equity in 10 last year. What started off as helping people source the right strategic capital, some e-com strategy, and uh, entry to China. We've now sort of added some more cylinders, cylinders to that engine. And it's, there's a PR, a marketing, and an affiliate side that a lot of our clients kept asking for. So we just built that out and moved it up on the roadmap. Awesome. So from a standpoint of uh, looking at entrepreneurs, you kind of think of them as uh, artists or, or you, know, uh, you know, their first albums, their first company? If you, it's, it's, you know, that... The odds of making, I used to never sign a band unless I got like goosebumps seeing them or I got tears in my eyes when I, and that's how I sort of knew I had mm -hmm. to sign them. And, and the odds of an artist making it, it's like one in 5 million or literally. Um, so that passion, perseverance, persistence, that they had a vision, that they had the ability, they could write the song, they could do it on stage, they could get it recorded. That's like such a rare art. And yeah, I think there's a massive through line to founders of a company. If you look at our cats and seed.com, that the gut biome company we were just talking about, she announced her A of 40 million today. And I remember having juice with her five years ago when she was ideating the business. And mm -hmm. it's that ability, and it's going to be a multi unicorn. So uh, that ability to, to take that through that process is such a fun thing to be a part of. So as you looked at the space, you know, there are obviously very low barriers to entry similar to the music industry, you know, high, highly fragmented. Have you come up with some kind of scorecard besides the, you know, either getting goosebumps or getting, uh, or getting a tear, you know, do you look and say, okay, as an example, you know, we invested in a company in the workout recovery space three years ago, we kind of had enough buzz understanding because we were around it to know, okay, this is the next big tidal wave. And we're going to basically surf this, this wave with, these two women at, at a, a group called Higher Dose, which is an infrared sauna technology company, and everything's kind of played out. So do you feel like what you bring to the table, not only from evaluating and assessing talent, um, coupled with 
the ability to see what's around the corner because you you have access to the people that are you know forming the next phase of technology in the space. I, I think so. I think there's one side of it where it's patents, technology, exclusive ingredients. So Brainy is a brain supplement company that and and peer-reviewed science. Like I'd almost there's that side of it. Uh, Brainy is a great example of that. Hyavita, this hydrogen water company that we love, are both great examples on that side. I think, you know, again, if you looked at seed.com and what she's rolling out, she has Raj as her science co-founder, um, like their amazing pair. And they're licensing IP from Stanford, Oxford, you know, Harvard, the best universities in the world. So they've got a very deep process. And then there's then there's companies like HANA, HANA Life, uh, is HANALife.com, Ayurvedic Superfood. And like there, it's more, I know the rigor of the ingredients they're sourcing from Bhutan, et cetera. And, and the buy-in they have is more from the Andy Walshes of the world who runs the extreme sports program for Red Bull or to some of the premier athletes in the world are obsessed with the product. So it's, uh, it's a bit of gut, but hopefully there's, we're underpinning it with some data and some real analysis. Got it. What are your, what's your take on a lot of the celebrities and athletes that now seem to be pulling into rounds of products that they've probably been early adopters into, you know, thinking hyper ice or, or Therabody. Do you feel we take a step back? It used to be athletes and celebrities would come and say, okay, give me X amount of points in the company. You know, here's my sponsorship. If you can't meet this threshold, you know, I'm not going to partner with you. I think now they've gotten very savvy to understand the equity upside and the capital gains nature uh, and their ability to influence these companies. So how, how have those nuances changed? Do they fully appreciate, you know, what it getting involved in an early stage company where it's uh you got to do everything you can do. I, I don't really want to give you like, here's a list of to do's just do everything you can to help me build a business. I, I mean, don't you think that stuff has become more organic and authentic? It, it feels like it I has. I feel like it has. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. I, there's a, there's a really cool company called Omniport green Monday. We, we hosted dinners for him before he, it's basically the impossible foods of Asia. It's pork instead of beef. Mm -hmm. uh, David Young, amazing guy. We hosted dinners for him in Venice four years ago or so before he launched TPG's already in it. He's raised like 70 million, amazing company exploding in, in Asia. And we went, he did it. It's the first time I've been to an event in like 18 months. We went on Thursday, tasted amazing, uh, better for you, I think than impossible. And I sent it out to three, a level, like a plus level celebrities, household mm -hmm. names to their, to their people. And, and, and knowing that one of them has gone vegan, another is vegan several days a week, another is very concerned about the environment and the health of animals, et cetera, et cetera. They all like responded within 12 hours saying, please send me product ASAP. And they all invested in Impossible and Beyond Meat early, et cetera. So I feel like that, I feel like those have gotten much more talent destroys their credibility if they if they're just latching on to it for money and i think there's enough opportunity they want to be rewarded if they support it but they're they're smart about it got it so if someone was to go about we we don't you know specialize in getting to those types of um celebrity 
uh, investors, you know, are you doing that through the wellness agency? Uh, is there, is that more of a, you know, who, you know, and kind of get into the right lane and, and that kind of happens organically or how have you seen those come together? Cause sometimes I see groups and they have a list of, you know, 50 or 60 celebrities or athletes in there. I'm like, well, wow, that, that's like a full-time job just trying to get all those documents and we, wires we, in. We put somebody in charge of those, but a lot of those relationships for me are, and, and, and it's, um, it's like Jay-Z's business partner of 20 years. So it's not Jay-Z, but he's also Rihanna's manager. And if I text him, he'll be busy as hell, but he'll text me back 10 minutes later. So it's like, it's on a shorthand. And then, yeah. then it's like formalize it when it needs to be formalized if there's engagement. So, uh, and it's more just business. There are business relationships across music, TV, and film that I've had over the last 20 years. And we had repeated clients ask us to sort of activate those. And we realized we are already kind of doing it. So we just were formalizing that process. It feels like it's a piece of the equation. It's, it, it is a way that products get commercialized successfully in today's world. Got it. So what, what are some of the, we've got a couple thousand people that will listen to this. Some of them are, you know, have a PowerPoint and starting to wireframe some user interface. Others are, you know, $5 million. We, we had a woman on last week from Santa Monica who, um, has got a natural, uh, skincare line probably doing like North of six million of revenue. We work with a group called higher doses. I mentioned before, we're probably closer to 20, 25 million of revenue. What, what's the sweet spot for someone to get in touch with you to say, Hey, you know, I'm at this inflection point. I'm, I'm lacking on these three or four things. And that's where you kind of come in and say, I got you. Our whole like, and people keep giving, it's not, it's not a perfect analogy at all, but think of us as a bit of Y Combinator meets William Morris or UTA for wellness. Um, so we, we, we took 8% of a company that we're in love with that was literally probably ideation. Um, we've got 10 companies in that sort of accelerator phase. Uh, we will scale that to probably 150 companies over the next if, if you look at my history, so 10 years ago, as I got out of Lionsgate, running music there, was on the board and invested in the first round of Mind, Body, Green. And it wasn't a home run, but it's like 7X. If you look at Parsley Health, Robin's done a B and a B1, gave her the idea to scale. I've got founder shares in that. She's got a real shot at getting a unicorn with as hot as telehealth is. And then probably the last check I wrote was Katarina and Ritual, but a 6 million round, I think her next round is going to be at like 300 posts. And then we started getting equity for services and we've got people looking at that. So there's, we love young companies. We love young founders. It's the A&R part of the business that we love uh, and trying to find, like looking at a lot of that pitch book data and trying to find the white, white space in the, in the area or in wellness. And then, but the other side of it, like, Again, we're helping Ara out on some stuff with Seed, and she's that thing's a rocket ship. Um, mm -hmm. And then that family office conference in Asia that we help program, you know, it's two of the biggest, it's three of the biggest companies that are probably all, you know, early stage for them is you've raised 70 to $700 million, sort of pre-IPO. So we've got three conversations in the wellness space that have raised at like 1.5, 1.8, and $2.2 So... And I, I like that, like being able to work. It, it reminds me more of the artist side of Mammoth. Like you're working with a founder across their life cycle 
than what they need here, maybe. So that's more the cylinders of the engine. Like we're, we're very excited about the long-term potential, what the, the China piece of our business turns into, but I don't recommend anybody goes in there till they're at least, at least 10 million in revenue a year and probably more. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a three to four year commitment. It's not going to happen overnight. So given some of the numbers that you just threw out were pretty substantial capital raises, you know, do you, how much do you view that size of a investment as deemed almost the real competitive advantage for these companies besides the patent and they got a good brand, you know, if they're sitting with $200 million on their balance sheet, you know, and somebody sitting with a similar product with a million on their balance sheet, you know, do you view as, you know, the ability to raise capital actually creates somewhat of a mode around your business and, and gives you the ability to hire people like you and, you know, bring yeah, in these types yeah, of players. Yeah, but don't, but I almost throw that back to you. Don't you always think that's only like, you still have to have a business that ultimately works. You still sure, want to, sure. like, I, I know, I know one company, you know, $20 million of losses and, and, then but they can raise the money. And then I know another company that even in a startup phase, quick with a quick growth curve, um, uh, you know, and she kept it at break even plus, and they had five million plus in the bank. Um, so I don't. I in the short term, yes. In the long term, no. Good answer. I'm a big fan of EBITDA positive. Yeah, that's. A, I kind of got brought up on that. So multiples of revenue is good for someone else to invest at, just not me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So what, what are some of the other, or what are, what are some of the things, you know, obviously you're under confidentiality with some groups, but what, what are you most excited about over the next year from, uh, you know, wellness technology or, you know, solving I, I would, loneliness? I or say the way, the way we look, the way we've built this engine, it should be agile enough because what you and I have seen is that there are these new sectors of wellness that come into it. Um, uh, psychedelics for mental health and therapy was not on my radar five years ago. Saw it coming. We, there's a fund uh, that we love called Neo Kuma out of London. Three of their first five investments are going to IPO in the first year. And it's, I, I think that if you look at what Christian Engelmeyer is doing at Atai Life Sciences, uh, if you look at Bright Minds since they pop, I think there's some important I, for personal issues that I've had family members or loved ones, I'm like super aware of that. Anything that, you know, addiction treatment is what a $42 billion industry headed to 50 billion. It works eight and a half percent of the time. Uh, mm -hmm. It costs like $50,000. It's, it's like so broken. It's ridiculous. So if there are other things that help with addiction recovery that are more effective, there's some doctors that we're friends with that have treated some of the SEAL Team 6 guys and gotten much better results than, you know, the VA putting them on opiates for the rest of their life. So I think there, there you will continue to see these big opportunities emerge. Uh, psychedelics I see as one, but a lot of that was driven by a lot of countries pretty quickly started to shift their point of view on it with everything that went on with COVID and the mental health crises that were going on around the world. Yeah, we've we've been seeing a couple of business plans on that front, and we're we're excited about the, the ability to get results. I think a lot of everything that we're doing here should just be about getting physical and mental results. And and you know, in the health club industry, sometimes they market to people with a challenge, and it's the, I just want to feel better. I want to be part of community. Like don't, and I want it to be fun. I'll make this more complicated. Do you see 
Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, I wrote down before we got on here was, you know, we've got a lot of bricks and mortar locations that are on the rebound. They're going to be sustainable businesses again, whether it's a health club chain or whether it's a studio. Do you see the ability for some of the companies you're, you're working with that are branded products? They've obviously gone direct to consumer. Um, maybe they're going more national, but I've got, we've got thousands of, of health club and studio operators and, you know, trainers and instructors that could become brand ambassadors. Uh, there could be pro shop opportunities to stock product in there. Um, do you see that merging better at some point? Cause there's always been, you know, almost like a Chinese wall between wellness and health related products and the, the bricks and mortar industry. I guess I'm asking you the question and I might ask you to, to help bridge that gap. Ask me the question one more time. So do, do you think, if, whether we put an initiative together or whether you think it'll happen organically, these you know unicorn companies should be partnering up with local health and fitness bricks and mortar providers. So should Peloton use LA Fitness as a showroom because that person is going to be a member of LA Fitness? Uh, should there be you know powdered collagen products you know, for sale at the Equinox point of sale or on their website. Uh, I feel like there's not a collaboration of sales to these wellness and halo enthusiasts as much as there could be. I think I totally, I think that stuff gets really siloed. Like when we've had early initiatives to Equinox, it was like, that's not my department. Like they couldn't really think outside of a box that was already defined. And, and, and then, and then, and I'm not more the physical retail side. I'm, I'm like headed to Equinox right after this. But like, I, I have no, when I belong to Crunch in Venice, I have no, or Crunch uh, to Gold's Gym. I yep. have no idea what those in-store sales were. And if that was, I would assume that's a valuable piece of it. To your point about using talented trainers as, uh, I, I don't see the word derogatory in a negative light at all, but like almost micro-influencers. Those are some that have the most engaged audiences. We're starting to roll that out now. And it's, it's Travis Brewer, the Ninja Warrior star. And, you know, every Ninja Warrior in the globe knows who the guy is and worships mm -hmm. him. So it's more, we use those kind of people. And, and there's three high, high quality products. And yeah, that can become a sizable portion of revenue and income stream for that, for that talent. And it's and it's much better marketing spend for young companies because they're getting the credibility of those of that talent. Like all that talent comes with if if you've got a micro, if you've got the right 20,000 influencer and you've got a hundred of those and they've got high, high engagement from their core audience, I'll take that any. I know somebody who's got a million followers, but they only they get like three percent engagement off of each post. So there's a disconnect in there somewhere. Yeah. So, and, and how are you set up with, with, with your agency? Do, do you have people around the globe? Is this, uh, are you doing a, a lot of this out of your, very much in terms of staffing or in terms of clients? Staffing. Staffing's uh, mostly West coast, but not some East coast employees that are of Vietnamese, Filipino, uh, Hungarian descent. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we, we already have, like, even in the companies we took equity in last year, one was Hong Kong, one was Vietnam, 
uh, sort of the real real for uh, recycled, upcycled high end shopping. They want to be the real real of Southeast Asia and a high propensity of female founders. I don't know. That just sort of happened. I, I think that's where some of the smartest ideas are coming from right now. And gotcha. nobody yeah. was noticing it. Right, well, we're doing a, a big event in uh, in Santa Monica at the uh, end of July. So love to have you yeah. come join us for that at the Fairmont. Uh, we're going to have some of the top people uh, in the sector talking about what we think the next phase of growth looks like and how we can make sure that uh, more people are covering, as we mentioned before, you know, the wellness industry and the halo sector is actually like an investment thesis in and of itself. Yeah. Um, so look forward to being an evangelist with you. Uh, in closing here, do you have any good uh, quotes that you live by or maybe some music lyrics that resonate with you that, you know, kind of jingle <laughs> as you look at these deals? I, I I listen to music all the It's too hard. I listen to so many types of music. Uh, um, <laughs> no, I just, I keep referencing this. I probably read like six books at a time usually, and I always love reading. The Bo Eason book, No Plan B for Your A Game. And he talks about how you create 20-year plans. He should have never been in the pros. Should have never become all pro. You know, his high school had like 27 players on the football team. None of them had ever gone pro and ended up him and three of his buddies all went pro. So the odds, and it was about setting that intention and setting that long-term intention. And, you know, our, our mission side is that to what you said earlier, big food, big pharma, Western medicine, I think are clearly broken for all the great mm -hmm. things they've done. I think there is a true moral imperative to push back. I, you, you gave the story about obesity earlier. I always use, because I've been to China probably 25 times now, like 25 years ago, Mickey D's, Pepsi, et cetera, weren't in China. They were allowed in about 24 years ago. 25 years ago, diabetes didn't exist in China. There are now 400 million pre-diabetics there. And it's that, like- that, that disturbs me. There's 150 of those stories is the problem. Like that's, it's not just sugar pumped into our food supply, but there is a big opportunity to your investment thesis and its own category. I think people are, especially with COVID, I think people are realizing, you know, the, the thing they never talked about and it, it bugged me with Fauci, I'm, I'm rambling here a bit, but like they talked about it at the very beginning, but we're the fattest freaking nation on earth. And it's like, they just came out with that stat that 78% of the people that got COVID were technically obese. Right. And, and they never once said, go exercise, go run some wind sprints uphill. And it's, uh, so I think a lot of it is personal accountability uh, to a quote. There's no quote, but I, that book, Bo Eason's No Plan B, we're, we're three and a half months into a 20-year plan. And it feels really good. Awesome. Love yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, welcome uh, officially to the sector just because we're here first, but it seems like you've taken over <laughs> nicely and you got your own little piece of the puzzle here. Uh, so excited to have you and, and everybody bringing with you into the uh, sector. This is all about helping people. The more entrepreneurs we help, you know, the more people they affect. And, you know, I think we got exponential growth and hopefully eradicate some of those uh, statistics that I find just very, you know, jarring. Uh, thank, and, thank and fixable. You for, thank you for having me and looking forward to finding ways to work together. Awesome. All right, man. We'll see you in July and uh, we'll look forward to having us up on the uh, site here sure, pretty soon. See you, Peter. See Later, you, David. Man. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. Appreciate it. I want to thank my friends at Burn B R R R N for sponsoring this podcast. 
They are the innovative company behind the world-renowned burn board. Many of you don't know, I was one of the top roller hockey players in all of Nassau County back in 1988 to 1990. If I had a burn board, watch out, I would probably be an NHL legend. Got a seven-day free trial on their on-demand library of hundreds of workouts. $30 off the purchase. Check it out at shop.theburn.com. We'll have it in the show notes. Use the checkout code HALO and go burn it on the burn board. Ice hockey in your living room at home fitness. Low cost, low tech, low impact. Go HALO, burn it up.